It's like the classics, you just, every word seems to have so much more meaning. Oh, their, their take on the English language makes me feel like I am illiterate. <laughs> I... Today's guest on the podcast is Bob Harper. I love Bob Harper, you guys. Oh, so we had a great time. Um, Bob, as many of you know from the hit show, The Biggest Loser, but he's also an author, a celebrity, a trainer, and an advocate for heart health after his 2017 heart attack that really surprised us as his fans and the public, but also Bob himself. So we talk about that and all sorts of other things like meditation, of course, because this podcast is just one giant exercise in convincing us to all meditate. But I think Bob might have convinced me. I say that a lot. <laughs> but we had a great time. And Bob is just as kind and gentle and inspiring as you would imagine. And as you have seen on his show. So sit back, enjoy this episode. Maybe not sit back because you're probably running if I know my audience. So enjoy your run and listen to this amazing episode with Bob Harper. Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day, and it's what we do with those hours that makes all the difference between our health, happiness, and success. Well, thanks. I'm excited to talk to you too. I'm glad this finally worked out. Yeah. So did you have fun on your snow day? I did. It's like that snow day just came out of nowhere and just took the city down. I know. I loved your response. You're like canceling because snow. And I was like, oh, I don't blame you. <laughs> I would do the same thing. I loved, I was at the CrossFit games with my nine-year-old daughter this year. Oh, wow. And um, I just saw that you were also there and I don't, I can't believe that we didn't get to, you know, see you and, and listen to that. But, oh, my gosh, do you just love the CrossFit Games? Yeah, I mean, I've gone for many years. It was my first time being in Madison, Wisconsin. And, I mean, to see those athletes and what they're capable of doing just floors me. Like, does your, does your daughter at nine years old really comprehend, like, yes. the, the gravity of that? So, we... I started doing CrossFit about a year ago oh. and she, I took her to like a cookout at our box where they were showing the redeemed and the dominant on the big wall. And that child sat down and did not move for the extent of that movie. And when we left, she goes, I'm going to do that. I am That's going to so do that. cool. And she started her own Instagram and she does workouts for kids. I mean, she's all in. And so- yeah. I have to say, because I know Greg Glassman, I know Dave Castro, and when they put together CrossFit for Kids years ago, I was so impressed with it. And when you see the young people that are really getting involved with CrossFit, I just see so much benefit to that because I feel like there is such a crisis with our kids these days and their, their sedentary lifestyles with all the video games and the weight problems and the fast food. And I mean, you name it, yeah. it's, uh, it's issues that kids are dealing with. And to show a group of kids that are being so active and having, having so much fun with their bodies, it's just, it's so uplifting for me. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that really blew me away and my daughter was she just saw these women 
you know, with different body types than you would see on TV, but so mm-hmm. powerful, so strong, and that just really resonated with her. So to actually go to the games and and see those, you know, see everyone in action, it was yeah, amazing. I, I think it's really cool that your daughter had that experience because I think now more than ever, seeing girls, uh, seeing girls being able to watch women being so empowered. I find I find that that's something that the world really is in need of, and I'm glad that your daughter really got to see that and 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 was moved by it. Oh, she's gonna apparently get to see it every year because I really don't think I'm gonna get taking her. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what you've been up to for for the last couple years. I you posted on Instagram. Um, I believe back in February that you were doing the 18.1 CrossFit workout, which was almost a year to the day after your near fatal heart attack. So Mm. let's rewind a little bit and kind of go back to February of 2017 and kind of where you were and what what unraveled. Yeah, I think that uh, a year after my heart attack, I mean, it's been a it's been definitely an eye-opening experience for me. It's been a slow process, kind of getting myself, quote unquote, back on track. I think that it has been a, a, a time of exploration. It's been a time of reflection. I feel like I have been really trying to spend so much focus on getting my health back, mind and body. And that's kind of where I've been for, for a while now. Yeah. When you say mind, is that stress, emotional, all of the above? Yeah, I think that uh, the mind was something that was bigger for me than almost the physical because I was in a position where I was really having to learn how to trust my body again and know that I could push it to limits, maybe not the kind of limits that I did before, but just kind of explore that that arena of, 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 of physicality that I got really afraid to do. I mean, I was in a gym and, and dropped dead in a, of a heart attack. And, uh, it was, you know, it was definitely a, a time of, um, uh, uh, what would I say? Like a, a new exploration, a new self, <laughs> new self exploration. I guess so. Not the kind that anyone really wants to go on, though. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants to go on that. But I, but I think that, you know, you life kind of throws curveballs at you. And this was mine. And I really, when I say, say that I had to trust my body again and trust my heart, that was a that was a real thing. Because I found that all I wanted to do was go back to the way it was. I wanted to just get into the gym and I wanted to work out and just do what I used to do. And then when I found that I would be in a gym and I would try to do that, my heart rate would start to go up as you know, it does and how you want it to. But I, I got scared and I did not like that feeling. I was having panic attacks. It was just it just did not feel good for me. And I, and I really started have, I really started thinking is like, like, am I not going to be able to do this anymore? I mean, it's like, who am I? And it, I just, I really had to, with the help of, you know, my healthcare providers, all my doctors and friends and family just kind of get my, kind of put myself back together again. Well, and 
panic attacks, I mean, they can often feel like a heart attack, right? So uh, it God, spiral. Yeah, I mean, the, that feeling, because one, one thing that I was experiencing before my heart attack was I was having these dizzy spells and doing a workout that would make me feel dizzy just really scared me. And I thought, oh my God, am I having another heart attack? And that just like brought on a panic attack. There was one point during my recovery that uh, it was a mission of mine to be able to walk to my cardiac rehab because it was a, it was a good walk, you know, in New York, it was, I can't remember how many blocks it was, but it was a good four, 40 minute walk. And I was like thinking, I can't wait to be able to do that. And one time I was in the middle of doing that walk to my cardiac rehab. And I just felt like I, I felt like I was getting dizzy. I just did not feel good. And that brought on a whole panic, like full on panic attack. And luckily I was about a, uh, a couple of blocks to my rehab, got there. I was in a full on sweat. My doctor saw me and was just hooked me up to the EKG. I was convinced I was having another heart attack and, uh, you know, they, they really had to talk me off that ledge. Wow. So, well, so did it change the way, like, what was the process from, you know, that point where you, your heart rate, heart rate would raise and you would feel panic to kind of where you are now? I, I know you've done a lot of yoga and meditation. Yeah. Is that, was that the progress, progress of it? Or did, do you still kind of keep oh. the heart rate lower? I mean, um, sorry. Um, what I do, I, I'm now in a position where I can really challenge my heart and, and I feel good about it. And I don't feel like I'm ever going to try to beat my Fran time. You know, <laughs> I, I'm not going like, to, that, that's not important to me anymore. I'm not looking to have that feeling of working so hard that I just fall to the ground. Like that's not anything that really interests me anymore, but I still want to be able to challenge myself and I want to be able to, you know, I still want to be able to do CrossFit. I want to be able to uh, do other workouts that challenge me, but I don't, I don't need to press that gas pedal all the way down yeah. like I used to. Yeah. So what were some of the, did you have warning signs? I mean, you said you were starting to feel dizzy before the heart attack was that days weeks more that was that was definitely a, a couple of weeks and uh and i broke one of my biggest rules that i have always told every client person i've ever worked with and that's to really listen to your body and you know you hear that phrase so often you hear listen to your body and until you really are so super self-aware of your your whole body, that mind-body connection, you don't really know what that means. And I really did know what that meant. And I chose to overlook it because I thought, you know what, it's, it's going to pass. I'll be fine. I'm invincible. There's going to be no problems here. And it persisted. And finally on the Friday before my heart attack, because I had it on a Sunday, I, I was, I had to leave my CrossFit gym because my dizzy spells were so bad. And I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone and he was like, you're going to, you're going to see my doctor on Monday and we're going to, we're going to take care of this. And then that Sunday is when I had my, my heart attack. 
Do you remember anything that day? No, I don't remember anything until two days later when I woke up in the hospital. I don't remember everything that I would would tell people about that day was everything that was told to me. And it was one of those things where I was really trying to piece it together because my friends felt like they were kind of protecting me uh, of what they knew, the ones that were there, because it was in their mind uh, or what, what they saw. It was, it was hard to see. It was, sure. it was, you know, it was their friend, me laying on the ground and turning blue with the, the defibrillators on me. And, you know, they just felt like they were kind of holding back some information until I became stronger mentally and physically to, to hear the whole story. Yeah. Well, let's talk about who saved your life. Cause I love that part of the story. Yeah. I mean, it really is amazing. <laughs> uh, because, and I never get, uh, I never get bored with this story because it's, it, it just, it's really powerful. At the day I was in that gym, there was an event going on upstairs and there was a doctor in the gym who was not a member. He had never been to the place before. And when he was at the event and one of the coaches came up and asked if there was a doctor in the house, of course, he raised his hand and they need, they asked him to come downstairs because I was working out downstairs. And he said that he was expecting to see somebody that maybe hit their head or twisted their ankle or he didn't know what to expect until he walked up and there were people around me and he saw and he said, he was like, I saw Bob Harper laying on the ground and he was already blue. And I thought, holy shit, I got to I got to do something. Oh, my gosh. And he really went into he went into that real uh, action mode that doctors just innately have in them. He said, I got everybody out of the way and I just started performing CPR. And it was one of those things that. And people need to know how important CPR and having an AED is in, um, well, everywhere, because he just continued to persist and persist. And when he was performing CPR on me and then put the AED, it didn't go off because I had already gone uh, into cardiac arrest and the, the CPR initially was not working. So if it would have been anybody else, it could have been, it could have been them just saying, well, there's, there's nothing to be done, but he persisted and persisted and was able to get my heart going again enough for the AED to, 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 to fire. Well, and I think a lot of people don't realize how self explanatory or sufficient that these AEDs are once you know, when they're necessary, when you hook them up, they tell you what to do. People get so nervous about them because they think that they're going to hurt someone or, or they're going to get hurt themselves or whatever the case may be. Uh, and it couldn't be farther from that because it's foolproof. I mean, you press a button and this machine starts yelling at you <laughs> to, to do what is needed to be done. Like anybody could do it. So the takeaway, well, one of the takeaways from this is if you don't see an AED in your gym, petition for one, buy one, That's, get one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also people have to realize 
that don't be afraid of hurting that person that's on the ground. That person is completely helpless. They need you to act. They need you because I was in a position I could not do anything for myself. People think I was afraid, you know, they would be afraid that they would you know, crack a rib doing CPR. It's like none of that matters. It's like you're going to only help that person because otherwise there's no future for that person. I think the most important to me is is kind of just peace, tranquility, happiness, th- those kind of things, and also just doing my part to to motivate other people, to inspire other people in a completely different way. It's it's something that is is very near and dear to me. So I. I try to I try not to sweat the big things or the small things anymore and I just try to I just try to live the best life I possibly can. When you say inspire people in a completely different way, what do you mean as opposed well, to I mean I I've always been that I've been in the health and fitness industry for a very very long time and I've always inspired people when it comes to you know being the tough guy in the gym to push you beyond your limits and and all that. And I, I I still believe all that, but I think that it's so much more now. It's not so much about it's not so much about having that ideal body as much as it, it is about just feeling good about yourself, being able to 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 know that you're you're helping yourself, that you're you're feeling good and and I think that there are so many people out there that are either motivated for um, superficial reasons or they're not motivated at all. And when you try to get them to approach the situation in a completely different way and look at life a little bit differently, I, I think it's a challenge, but it can be really rewarding too. It's a lot harder to probably change your perspective when you haven't gone through something as life-changing and you don't want to go through something as life-changing as you did. So what are some of the things that you're trying to convey? Well, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 go ahead. Because I've talked to, I have have a friend of mine who I love very dearly that will go nameless, uh, (laughs) but there are always, and notice how I'm saying they instead of he or she. Right. <laughs> they, uh, they're very, they're very fit. They're very active. They look amazing, and they're still so hard on themselves. You know, it's like, oh, I need to, I need to lose five more pounds, or I don't look, I don't look the way that so and so looks, and it's just like it. I could. I just want to shake them and just be like, you know what? You're 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 putting too much energy in something that is just so pointless. Uh, it, it's just I, I I see that and I try to get people to approach approach that so differently to think, you know what? Life is fleeting. Next thing you know, it's going to be ten years later, and you're you're going to look back at the way you used to look and go, damn, I looked good. Why don't yes. <laughs> what? Why wasn't I happy with that right now? You know. I, I would kill to have my body look right. like that. You know? I always say I wish I was as fat as I was in high school because, you know, I thought I was so fat then, but geez. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and, and I guess the bigger uh, the bigger point of that is to really be thankful and have gratitude for 
where you are right now. If you're doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing, if you're making good choices and you're 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 being active and you're 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 helping somebody in the course of a day, no matter how big or small, then you're doing you're doing your part. So after your heart attack, I mean, did you have a hard time with the nutrition part of your health? Uh, I mean, was there still, I mean, you knew so much, but did it change for you? Oh my God, it changed so much. I, of course, before my heart attack, I, you know, I, I was in the CrossFit world. It was very high fat, high protein, and, uh, and that's kind of how I, how I lived. And for me, and I say that very specifically, for me, that necessarily wasn't the right way uh, uh, I necessarily should be, be eating with my genetics. So I've had... your heart attack was a genetic condition. It was a, gen- a genetic condition. And, uh, and that's what I tell people because people are always like, what do you think about uh, the, the, uh, the... Why am I blanking on... Thank you. Yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> What do I think about the keto diet? What do I think about Atkins? What do I think about vegan? All these kind of things. And I tell people, here's what I think. I think that you've got to go to your doctor. I think you need to do blood work. And I think you need to find out what works for you because we are all different. When I get people coming at me like they do, uh, especially, you know, the vegans, man, I love them to death, but man, they sure do have an axe to grind with me. You know, uh-huh. you know, they were just like, I remember I actually had to, because my, I was very, uh, I was very um, upfront about my recovery during my, uh, uh, after my heart attack. And I, I got to where I had to tell the vegans out there to just like quit being so mean to me <laughs> <laughs> because I'm, only going to do what my doctors tell me to. And for you to like say these things, like you're going to have another heart attack if you keep eating meat and blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, you know what? Just worry about you and let me worry about me. It just, it became so frustrating. So I was trying to figure it all out. I, I was, and I have since found that what I've had to do is live a very, low fat diet that is way more balanced. I eat lean proteins. I have a lot of vegetables. I eat whole grains. I, I, I focus on all three of my macronutrients every single time I eat. It, and it's very balanced. And, and I think the main thing that really had to change with my diet was my fat intake. I, I drastically had to lower my fat intake. Yeah. And, and that's why, and when, when people come at me and say things like, I'm going to have another heart attack. And uh, if I do this, you know, if I'm not doing this and, uh, you know, it, 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 it drives me crazy because I'm getting my blood work done now every six months. I know what, what my diet is doing for me. And so I just really have to shut out that white noise. And I really had to get up to a point too, where I had to kind of separate myself from social media stuff because I just, it just, a lot of it really wasn't beneficial. Yeah. I mean, I could not believe, you know, you get the news about you having a heart attack and then the next 
thing you see is is yeah, is people having comments about. Oh. I mean, it was horrible, and I I have loved you since two thousand and four, and I was like, you guys need to lay off a of Bob. I like, know. Seriously. I know. <laughs> I mean, I had people that I knew uh, in my past that were like, you know, saying, "Well, he brought it on himself," you know, with oh, the geez. with the CrossFit and the diet, and I was just like, "You're insane." Like, you know, it's like, it's just people trying to act like they know everything and they don't. Haters. While we're talking about haters, <laughs> I love them. And I love your Instagram. So I want to talk about Two Cups In. And then also, I love the post you had the other day about hot yoga. And apparently people are down your neck about hot yoga. <laughs> Jesus. It's like. <laughs> what is everyone I, so mad about hot yoga? I know. People are just, here's what I think. And I love Here's what I love about fitness people. We're all crazy. And I say <laughs> we're all crazy in the best possible way. And what I tell people is find something that you're passionate about that you love to do. And that will keep you going. I don't care what it is. If you want to be doing Zoom, is it called Zumba? I'm yeah. like, you know, if you want to d take dance classes, if you want to do Pilates, if you want, I don't care what you're doing as long as you're being active. I've been doing CrossFit for a million years. I know what, I know what the, the CrossFit Kool-Aid is because when you do CrossFit, you want to talk about CrossFit. It's like, it's your favorite thing in the whole world. And, uh, and I get that and I love it. Uh, it's just when people come at me saying, why are you doing hot yoga? Because I'm really into that um, right now, as well as still doing CrossFit. Uh, I, I I just tell them, I'm like, I tell people, just chill out. <laughs> and just work out. Just do something just work out. that makes you happy. Do, yeah, just do something that you feel good about. You know, it's like, it, it, it just, it, it, it cracks me up. I just, I'm like, people just need to all just relax. I mean, has there actually been a specific exercise or sport in the history of the world, maybe besides football and CTE, concussions and all that, that has caused death? I mean, you know, aside from hang gliding, and, or maybe I just <laughs> answered my own question, but I mean, you know, things that are on the ground and you do with your feet. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. You know, here's what I think. When you're, when you're doing any kind of physical activity, you are at risk. You're at risk of injury. You're at risk of having, you know, any kind of uh, alterca altercation or, uh, right. and, and I think that you choose your, choose your exercise or you choose what you want to do wisely, feel good about what it is you're doing. If you want to mix it up, mix it up. But I think that when people get so twisted about their workout is the only workout, you know, I'm like, every, everyone needs to just take a breath and more focus on. Uh, what you're eating and how much you're eating. That's the real thing. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know uh, people are, that are always pushing, do this workout and you're going to look like me. No, that's not how it works. Actually, you've got to like, if I'm going to look at you and you've got a body that I admire, first question, I'm not going to ask you what your workout is. First question I'm going to ask you is what are you eating? What's your diet? 
That to me is the number one question. After that, then I'm going to want to know about what, what kind of physical activity you're doing. Do you know that I actually had the courage to ask someone at the gym that very question because I had admired her for a while, but she was always just on the elliptical, just round and round and round. And so mm-hmm. I went up to her and I asked her that question and she goes, oh, I just eat junk food. It must be genetics. No, I <laughs> and mean, I thought, um, okay, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I got to tell you, you know, I've lived in Los Angeles for many, many years, and it's the celebrities or those models, actors, uh, anybody in the entertainment business, the ones that are saying, and they have the beautiful, perfect body that they're just eating junk food and they never work out. They're lying. You know, they're lying. It's like, <laughs> don't lie. You know, don't don't insult my intelligence. I know. It's not like I'm just going to turn around and eat what you eat and look like you. I just need a little help here. Right. <laughs> Give me some advice. Um, so can we talk about The Biggest Loser at all? Sure. Okay. So um, let's talk about it. What What yeah. did you learn from your years of, of being on TV? I mean, how was that experience? Yeah, I got to tell you, I did Biggest Loser for all 17 seasons and I loved it. I mean, it was one of the hardest jobs I have ever done in my entire life. It was nonstop. The 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 amount of energy that was required uh, required on a daily basis was uh, not normal. <laughs> and, but you know what I thought? I thought that it really it was controversial. It really challenged people, and it also inspired people at home more so than anyone else. And that's what I really liked. I like the fact that you take an extreme of a television show like that, put it on air, and the person that's at home that needs that kind of motivation, that sees somebody that they can relate to physically on TV, and you see them going through it, you think, you know what? Well, if they can do it, what's stopping me? So it's like, I like the bigger message of uh, of what we were trying to 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 put out there in the world. I mean, I mean, I think that show was was super groundbreaking, and uh, you know, I just I I really enjoyed it. What were some of the patterns that you saw season after season in the contestants? I I think one of the biggest patterns I saw was uh, well, the the poor quality of food choices. I mean, it the the amount of um of calories that were being consumed and then really bigger than that was why they were consuming those calories you know really getting to the heart of it because when you're dealing with someone that is morbidly obese it is more times than not it is not a that they love pizza or ice cream i mean that that food represents something way bigger than that and what you've got to do is get to the the heart of that issue and and that's what i thought was the most interesting because it's just not it it's not just as simple as i i like to eat this kind of food and this it got me here because it's just so much more than that do you have a particular contestant or story that still just kind of gives you chills when you think about where they came, where they started and where they ended up? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess I guess my number one is a girl named Olivia Ward. She was season 11 winner on Biggest Loser, and 
That girl, she has changed her life. She and I are really good friends to this day. When she, after she won the show, I got her connected with SoulCycle and they gave her a job being a SoulCycle instructor. And she is now, has been working with that business for, I don't even know how long. I think that it's been, it's been close to eight. I mean, I want to say five to 10 years, Mm -hmm. somewhere somewhere in that range, a very, very long time. She is now one of their quote unquote senior instructors. She's uh, opening the Atlanta place. I mean, she's really changed her life. And, and that to me is just, it's so inspiring. She is so inspiring. That's awesome. So is there anything that you would do differently knowing what you know now about nutrition and health and if you had to do it all over again or I had to do it all over again. No, because I, I think that what, again, what we were, what we did on that show was, uh, it was crazy. It was fun. It was, uh, it was challenging because anybody that works in the fitness industry knows that when, when you're working with someone, it is day in and day out. And if we had a, a, a shooting schedule of say we worked, uh, on camera three or four days a week, we'd still have to be there seven days a week because you'd still need to be working them out and teaching them and coaching them and motivating them. And it was just, it was relentless. I remember after the first, I remember after the first season of the, um, the show, I mean, I lost so much weight. I was a, I was a shell of a person. (laughs) I, I had, I, uh, I had not slept in, you know, in months. I mean, it was just, it was just so much work, but I mean, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, you've been giving of yourself emotionally for decades. Yes. I mean, <laughs> you just give and give and give and people take and take and take and complain. And obviously you make a difference and um, the rewards are, are greater than, than the trouble or you wouldn't keep doing it. But what do you do besides kind of working out and, and taking care of yourself to, to deal with that take that is constantly happening to you? Well, that's actually a really good question. I have been working in the business for a very long time. And, and you have to realize when you're in that, in a job like that, People are going to just take from you. It's like they, you know, they're going, they don't realize it, but they're, they're just taking, taking, taking. And for a while, and it took a lot of therapy too, (laughs) to be able to like find a way to balance that out and make sure that you still know who you are. You've got, you've got the core of your self-worth with you at all times and to really be able to guard that and protect it and nurture that. And, and that's what I would do. And I remember before it, it was always, and my friends always, uh, you know, made comments about me when, when they know that I'm really going through something, it's like, Oh, you're buying a new pair of shoes again. And you're, you know, you're what, what's going on. And I'm like, you know what? I know sometimes you got to like find those outlets, but I think that it took me a while to really find that balance of making sure that I'm not completely drained of, mm-hmm. of, of all of what makes me who I am. And, you know, and it's like, I, I do things to take care of myself and like, that's why 
if I have back in the day when I would have to get up at like, you know, five, four o'clock in the morning, I would make sure that like I would get my workout in. I would do the things that I needed to do that made me feel better. And, and that was always how I kind of kept my sanity and continue to. Well, what do you think about the statement? Don't take it personally. Cause I have, I have a hard time with that statement. I know that the well, way people act, you, you can't technically take it personally, but well, it's crazy. But like, yeah, my business is very personal. Yeah. So it's like, don't take it personal. And I'm like, well, that's impossible for me because I'm not a robot. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, uh, I've always been very passionate about what I do and everything about what I do is personal. And, and I wish that I could turn it off, you know, turn it off when I need to turn it off. But you know, I can't. And I remember there was one season on the show where they got me in an interview and we actually had this conversation. It's like, I wish, and as I'm crying in interview, because I was like, I was so emotional that day. I was like, I wish that I couldn't take this personal, but it is personal for me. <laughs> it was just, right. and of course the producers loved it because they, I was giving them good TV. I think but, I remember that one though. Cause yeah. Wasn't one of your, one of the contestants like shitting on you and you were just doing yes. everything you could. And I was like, well, yes, yes, I remember that episode. Yes. 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 After so, your 16 hour days, you're just like, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, and of course producers love that. You know, right. you, they want you to get worked into the ground because when your defenses are all down, well, you know, all bets are off. Right. Right. So what are the top five or four excuses that we as as humans who want to get fitter, lose weight, change our lives, what are the things you hear all the time? Well, I think that the some of the main ones I always hear is like, well, I just don't have the time. I don't have the time is such bullshit to me. Yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know if I can say you that. You can say that. I, yes, okay. you're fine. <laughs> uh, you can it, say whatever you want, Bob. Don't take it personally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's such bullshit. I don't have the time. Also, uh, well, I don't have the money because I can't afford a uh, a person. I can't afford a personal trainer. I can't afford, you know, whatever it is. It's like that is a big excuse for me uh, that that drives me crazy. Because at the end of the day, you know, if you really don't, you if you really on a strict strict budget, I mean, there are plenty of online type things that could be done or you could just like put on your sneakers and go for a walk never underestimate the power of um, a good power walk i mean if if in fact that's all you can do so i don't like hearing that excuse and i, I one that i hear too a lot and i guess this is more of like an la or a new york thing of like i wish that i could have a a chef i'm like well i wish i could have a chef too i mean <laughs> You know, it's like people have to learn how to to budget themselves so they can have proper nutrition in their house. So I think that's a that's another um, another one. It's just like you know, I can't afford to to eat healthy. I'm like at can't this afford not to exactly at, at this point you you can't afford not to. It's like you're gonna either pay now at the grocery store, or you're gonna pay later with healthcare costs. Mm -hmm. What do you think about sugar? I think sugar's the devil. I think I think sugar is one of the worst things in the diet today. And because I don't want, like, I don't really believe in 
eliminating a, a food group. I don't like I don't like that kind of extreme. When it comes to sugar, I really want you to avoid it at all costs. And uh, and to me, it just since I've been off, not I'm not technically off sugar, but I, I I rarely eat sugar. And when I do, I feel it, and I feel like crap. And the and people are like, well, I don't have that reaction. I'm like, yeah, but if you're eating it consistently, your body has built up a tolerance. And you don't and know you feel like crap. You don't exactly, and you don't know. You you feel like crap. It's like, uh, and that's what I really loved about what um, Dallas and Melissa did with um, Whole30. Mm -hmm. um, I like the fact that the biggest takeaway from Whole30 for me was take out all this, all these things. And then as you incorporate it back, see what kind of reaction you have, because you don't know the reactions of, of different types of uh, food until you take them out and then uh, for an extended period of time and then incorporate them back in. And you know, what was interesting when I did whole 30, I took out all the crap and I was still having like this reaction around my mouth. And I was like, gosh, what is, and I used to think it was, you know, the bread or the sugar or whatever. And I learned through whole 30 that it was actually eggs, which eggs were, you know, allowed. Oh. Because I narrowed it down to things that were even permissible, I found an, an intolerance that I had that was that wow, I that's probably cool. wouldn't have narrowed down. Right. I just and was eating I, boiled eggs like they were going out of style. <laughs> right. I really liked when uh, you are able to change your taste buds. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember all of a sudden, if I after a couple of weeks of being off sugar, I I was just like, eating almonds one day and went, wow, I can really taste the sweetness in these almonds. I'm like, before I wouldn't have tasted any kind of sweetness in an almond or, you know, whatever the case may be. It just really enhanced your taste buds. And I really liked it. Yeah. I felt that way about strawberries. I've always been oh, like, yes. or leave them, but yeah. Yes. Like fruit took on a whole new meaning. <laughs> So like all of a sudden having strawberries or uh, blueberries. And I was just thinking, well, this is the best thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. Yes. All right. So let's talk about um, meditation. Mm -hmm. Yes or no? Oh, big time. Yes. Like okay. I've been doing transcendental meditation uh, for a long time now. And I, I'm so aware of my mo mood and my mindset when I don't do it. And, uh, it, it just, it makes me feel so much better. And I, it's like, I have to constantly be reminded of it because sometimes if I get, uh, get off track with my meditation, I think, Oh my God, why am I doing that? And of course I start to psychoanalyze myself thinking, <laughs> what am I, am I, am I trying to hold, withhold happiness from me? You know? Right. So what's the difference between, like, what is transcendental meditation? Well, transcendental meditation really works for me because it is very much a type of uh, meditation where you're not, you're not making your mind do anything. It, you can, whatever it is that you're thinking about, you can kind of go through that as long as you try to kind of go back to whatever it is your mantra is and you do it twice a day and 
it's it, it's about sitting there and just kind of like being quiet and and just like letting your brain go where it wants to because my brain can be very active. I'm thinking about things and meditation didn't used to work for me that much because I would always be told, you know, push out all your thoughts and focus on your breathing. I'm like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not connect. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, with TM, it just, I don't know. It just kind of allowed my brain to just do what, it, do what it does. And in the course of that, my brain started to, um, kind of balance out. So that's my last holdout is meditation. I stubborn, oh my God. I stubbornly refuse. Oh, please, <laughs> I can tell you this. I can tell you this with all of my all of my heart and my soul. Once you kind of give it up, give up that stubbornness, whatever's holding you back from it, you're going to get so much more. Like I, I really try to do all the 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 things that you know do a, give you a complete a, a complete life of yeah. of wellness and and I just. I find that meditation, sleep, nutrition, activity, stress, you're able to put all the pieces together because that's what that's what I think so many people are missing if they don't have all those those puzzle pieces. I mean, Is I've that- recorded probably 100 episodes now and I would say 90 people have said that changed their life and yet here I sit. <laughs> Stubborn, like no. I wonder why. I'm just, I'm just wondering. But I'm just a rebel because I really am a rule follower, and this is the only way I can rebel. That's hilarious because (laughs) because I'm I would just say it sounds like you're self sabotaging. Oh yes, that too. I I understand self sabotage. (laughs) Do you? So let's talk about that. What is what in the hell is with self sabotage? What is with that? I don't know. I think that like when. I think a lot of times when people go into self-sabotage, maybe it's uh, not feeling like they're worthy of it all. I think mm-hmm. that maybe, you know, maybe they're, uh, it's that one thing, like you just said, you're a rule follower. So this is the one way that you could break, uh, break a rule because you know from all those 90 out of 100 um, interviews that they've all, to- we've all told you this. And- <laughs> And you're still choosing to to not do it. So it's like, what's the what's the definition of insanity? Right, <laughs> right. But it's so it's so tied into the fact that I, I have this story, right? So my story is I was a fat little kid. I was a fat teenager, even though I wasn't fat. Um, and I'm a fat adult, and I'll always be fat, even though I'm not fat. You know. But that's like the story I tell myself. And somehow I feel like if I meditate, maybe that's gonna. <laughs> change this story which would change my life and be great but i'm the queen of self-sabotage uh, well you know what i uh <laughs> i really hope that when you do it which i really do believe you will because you seem very self-aware when you finally just decide you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna tackle this it's like uh I think that it's going to be, I can't wait to be able to talk to you again. <laughs> and we're going to have to do another one of these um, right. inter- interviews after you started doing it, because I'd love to hear, because I know it's only going to, you're only going to feel great from it. Okay. Maybe. We'll, we'll uh, try. <laughs> and I'll tell you, because uh, I'm going to be talking about this on my two cups in today. But uh, one other thing that I've been doing 
lately to kind of challenge myself because I like to challenge myself. You know, I go into hot yoga classes because it's super challenging. It makes you, it, it, it puts a mirror literally and figuratively right in front of yourself. And, uh, and I like that kind of stuff. I like to be challenged in, in, in all ways. And I, the past couple of months I have been, um, I've been going back and I've been reading like the classics, old books that I had never read before because I was a terrible student. Um, and, or because I didn't go to college and, and it's been such, it's been so great to, to exercise my brain in this way, because, you know, always being in the physical, you kind of get, you kind of stay in this one lane, but when you really challenge yourself intellectually or educationally, you know, it just brings on a whole new, a whole new level to your wellness. And, uh, and I've just been really excited about it. So I was an English major and I, if you want to challenge, have you tackled William Faulkner yet? I have not tackled William Faulkner, but uh, you've got to get the sound and the fury, but you have to get a a companion guide to probably read it because it's that kind of ridiculous book. (laughs) That's hilarious because I was actually talking about the sound and the fury today. And um, one of my friends who I really respect uh, with her reading, she, she looked at me and she was like, don't read that book um she was she says do not and i and i just kind of laugh but um i'll tell you who i've been so inspired by is john steinbeck and those bronte sisters oh my god i think jane eyre is one of the best books i've ever read in my I entire agree with you oh my gosh and wuthering heights yes yes They're i I loved Wuthering Heights and I mean, I just like, so that's what I've been doing. And I've been like, I have been focused. I I love it. Like right now I'm reading the grapes of wrath and I, and I just, I love it. It's like the classics. You just, every word seems to have so much more meaning. Oh, their, their take on the English language makes me feel like I am illiterate. <laughs> I, True. Like yeah. I'm so impressed. Like Emily and Charlotte Bronte, the way that they were able to write, I just thought, oh my goodness, I just wish that I could do this. It's a talent. Like your nine-year-old daughter at the CrossFit Games, being in awe is where I am with John Steinbeck right now. Yeah, absolutely. So after that, you need John Updike. And you do need to do William Faulkner, no matter what your friend says, because only when you're done with it will you feel like you've achieved like another level of human Time. Okay. All because right. It's so it's so hard, and in the la- like Faulkner writes in stream of consciousness. So right. It's just this rambling, and you're thinking, but every yeah. word is chosen so well, and so it's like this big, you know, juxtaposition of just insanity plus like well planned words and. But you know, know that's interesting. It's interesting that you're saying this because I, I I love what you're saying. Uh, one thing that I thought about with the books that I'm reading are I really um almost believe that kids and I say kids meaning like high school and um and junior high reading these books could really be off-putting for them because maybe they're not old enough to experience it I remember like trying to read maybe these books and not being not not getting the full grasp of them that I am now yeah you have to get the dirty undertones (laughs) yeah exactly yeah we read um 
I think it was called the centaur or something, John Updike. But there's like all these sexual, all this sexual imagery. And luckily, I had two incredible um, English teachers in high school, and they weren't afraid to tell us what it meant. And then you know you're kind of terrified because you right. haven't even considered that being you know an option (laughs) but um at least I had the teachers that kind of explained it but yeah I can imagine reading it now you're like you can catch all that yeah well I am loving John Steinbeck I mean wow Bob's book club yeah exactly that would have to be three cups in yeah Bob's classics Um, (laughs) yeah well I have one more question for you okay um, this podcast is called The Same 24 Hours, meaning that we all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that makes our best life, our best health, happiness, and success. So you've touched on meditation mm-hmm. and working out, but what is what is something else that you do on a daily basis that is just a must for your life? I think, well, you have to realize that my dogs are my children Mm -hmm. and I love my dogs very much. And the, the times that that I spend on that walk with them every day is something that is, is really important for me. And it, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm doing something again. It goes back to, I want, I want to make sure I feel like I'm doing something for someone else or, uh, and that, that to me is part of it. And, and I do it every day and I love it. And sometimes I'm just like, I get annoyed by it, but I know that I'm going to feel good afterwards. I'm like, oh, do I really need to take you today? And you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, I feel really good about that. But also what we talked about just now too, is what I've been doing every day is taking that time to sit and read. Even if I can only read for 30 to 45 minutes, it's going to be something that I do for myself that makes me feel really good. Thank you, Bob, for taking this time. I know you're a giver, and I appreciate you giving me well a piece of your time today. Well, let me tell you, I really enjoyed it, and I really hope that the next time we speak, um, you will have told me that you tried doing um, some sort of meditation. I just put a Post-it note on my computer. That's a big step. Okay, check done that before. <laughs> check out check out Transcendental Meditation. I think you might like it. You seem very you seem uh, very uh, cerebral. Yeah, it's like you're a very you're a very smart person, and I think that would be uh, something that you would respond to. Well, I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, Bob. Take care. Great talking to you.